answer must be, I think, that beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will or sense them. The least we can do is try to be there. That's Annie Dillard. Yeah, good. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you uh, let me take this off. So glad that you um, are here, and uh, everybody who's uh, listening at home. We're glad that you're there. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, welcome tonight. Um, man, what about this? Uh, let's say hello here to this Mercy Machine. Just firing on all cylinders. I don't know. Well, at least three of them. Oh, three of them. Yeah. 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 I guess I don't know any like. Um, you know, I only know combustion engine metaphors for them. For, right. Yeah. So I don't know. All well, charged up. Yeah. Jo- Jonah's out east to uh, doing visiting family, and Henry's at a tra- at a cross country meet. So oh. you just get the three of us. But we are absolutely delighted to have three sevenths of the gated community yeah. Uh, yeah. At, yeah. playing for us, and we'll tell you more about them in a little bit. But we're so glad you guys are here. Yeah, yeah um, and I'm glad that you finally made it. We are finally here. You came, so thank you so much. Hey, I have a book coming out. It's actually, release date is on Tuesday, uh, two days from now, so. It's a book of sermons about some familiar and some not so familiar women in the Bible, and um, it's coming out from a Spanish language publisher in Argentina. So we're going to have a party here to celebrate on December 5th, a little bit of reading. There's going to be Argentinian wine and uh, empanadas from Beludo, really good Argentinian empanadas, and some books for sale, and a little bit of reading, a little bit of music from Angel, so I hope you can be here. That's December 6th, December 5th, after yeah. church. Um, yeah, it'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, 6 o'clock, right? Right after that, even if you uh, don't come to church, come at 6. That'll be the good stuff, right? Yeah. And... Um, uh, yeah, Magnificat, it's called? Magnificat. Magnificat. It would make a good Christmas present. I would, yeah, we really would, yeah. You know what, a lot of people like to get more than one copy, too, so buy, <laughs> buy a bunch. Um, but that's fantastic. Hey, we are starting a book study on In Search of Radical Theology by John Caputo, and that is starting on uh, this first Tuesday in December, the 7th. No, that's probably the second one. December 7th, and uh, going for the next two months, Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. And if you're interested, please uh, let me know, and you can get this book and get a start on it, because it's kind of thick. All right. That's it. You do it. (laughs) This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it.
hold you Your sister says that I'm no good I'd reassure her if I could All I want to do Is to spend some time with you So I can hold you Hold you Plans fail every day I want to hear you say Please join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer with Lord in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, give us the strength to hope in these days of increasing darkness, of continued injustice, Give us the wisdom to stand with those who are most victimized by the policies of those in power, who have, who have the strength, have the ability to put in place policies that will create real change for our climate, for our cities, and neighborhoods. Help us to stand 
with those in a way that does not further marginalize them. Remind us to listen always and to respond with humility and steady grace. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, let us always step forward in gratitude for the gifts that you've given us in this creation, in our relationships. Remind us to be grateful for your presence and for the possibilities. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for those in our lives who are in need of spiritual, physical, or emotional healing. We pray for those who are dealing with cancer diagnosis, who are in the process of going through surgery or chemo or radiation. We pray for those who are dying and those who mourn the recent death of a loved one. We pray for those prisoners, pray for those who are prisoners of addiction, for those of us with mental illness, and those of us who are left to negotiate this ever complex and isolating world on their own. We know that you are a healer. We ask you to gather up all these people. Make your presence known to them and your peace present in their lives. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we have not loved you with all that we are. We've failed to love those in our lives. We've hurt people by the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. We are grateful that we can be confident that you judge us always with your grace. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, meet us now in this extended period of silence. Amen. The scripture for this evening comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And as he goes out of the temple, one of his disciples says to him, Teacher, look, such stones and such buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? By no means shall there be a stone left upon a stone that will not be thrown down. 
And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him in private, tell us, when will these things be? And when all these things are about to be completed, what will be the sign? And Jesus began saying to them, keep watch so that no one causes you to go astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will cause many to go astray. But when you hear about wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. It is necessary that this occur, but the end is not yet. For nation will be raised against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In places there will be earthquakes, there will be famines. These things are the beginning of birth pangs. The word of the Lord. Birthings? Really? Huh. Wars and earthquakes and famines, Jesus says, the beginning of the pain that comes before birth? As someone who has given birth, I'm both vaguely satisfied, yes, it is painful, and disconcerted by the metaphor. I wonder if Jesus even thought that much about the metaphor or if it even is quite a metaphor. Granted, there's something helpful about not being alarmed and relaxing into the process of labor, if you can. But Jesus is talking about the destruction of the central institutions of a people. The earth splitting apart, wars, famines, starving people. Don't be alarmed, he says. This is the beginning of the labor pain. Really, Mr. Man? Like that first flutter of cramping and tightening where you grab onto your partner with fear and anticipation, knowing you're in for a pretty wild ride, but there will be a limit, another side when you make it through the pain, a new life, a baby. It's like, kind of scary passage ends on this hopeful, almost beautiful note, the beginning of labor. But he's talking about collapse, destruction, violence, don't be alarmed, as if you could relax amidst the earth buckling and society falling apart, trusting in the new life to come, practicing the breathing you learned in your birthing class. It's hard to believe that that's the right stance. It almost sounds like something out of the Unabomber's Manifesto or the philosophy of armed revolutionaries, which, to be honest, I've often been drawn to. The Sandinistas in the 80s, Subcomandante Marcos, the Black Panthers, the bricks have to fall, the corrupt and the oppressive institutions must be overthrown before something new can be born. But now that the central institutions of our society, that however full of corruption, to some degree upheld imperfect, but some sense of democracy, civility, a functioning government, now that they seem to be closer to collapse than I've ever known, I feel alarmed quite frequently. The riot at the Capitol, 
Republican legislators who voted in favor of the infrastructure bill are receiving death threats? Did anyone else read on the front page of the New York Times on Saturday about the rally in Idaho last month where a man stepped up to the microphone to ask when he could start killing Democrats? When do we get to use the guns, he said to the audience as they applauded. How many elections are they going to steal before we kill these people? And the local state representative later called it a fair question. Don't be alarmed, Jesus says. I'm not sure I get it. And to be, I mean, not to be overly literal or something, but I mean, when you begin to have labor pains, and I guess I'm speaking mostly to people with uteruses, you know pretty much exactly what's going on. You had sex, not always, but often, which was not necessarily, but in a lot of cases, very nice, good, often about love, and you got pregnant, and then a baby grew in you, and you're aware that it's going to be very painful to give birth to it, but you're expecting a new life. People often begin labor with great joy. But labor pains, though painful, don't usually involve the crumbling of everything stable. It's not Roman legions breaking down and carrying off the Jewish temple piece by piece. It's not warriors with swords and bombs. The birth metaphor here seems, I don't know, sort of optimistic, considering the circumstances. And optimism isn't my strong suit. But I guess there's a way that you can read the whole long, complicated, many-layered scripture as a witness to this long, difficult labor, which definitely includes suffering, begins with love, and through which something unfathomably beautiful and gorgeously peaceful is being born. You know, maybe I can believe from God's angle, God's angle, I'm not even sure what that means, but that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains, as Paul puts it, waiting for the revealing, which we only see through a glass darkly now, but something good, something very good, something very redemptive, free love, mercy is being born. All the stuff we do here at House of Mercy, you know, the narratives we tell and retell from the Bible, our liturgical practices, the gestures, and the rituals we enact, it's about giving us a glimpse, pointing to this much larger or maybe it's smaller but much more intimate, cellular, deep truth. God's activity in the world, the gospel, mercy. The beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will or sense them. But maybe the least we can do, as Annie Dillard says, is try to be there make an attempt to notice. I think that's what we do here. I like to imagine that in some swirling sort of everyone and everything is part of one thing, all things interrelated, individual selves aren't as separate as they seem, in some sort of cosmic but intimate way, in and outside of time, all this, this 
pain and suffering and wonderfulness and delight and desire and seeds and earth and cycles is God giving birth to something, some life. We can see, but sometimes barely. But we get glimpses of the birthing. Whether or not Jesus chose his metaphor carefully here, and I'm, I'm kind of guessing he didn't just fling it out there without any thought. I really do like to think of whatever it is that God is doing and that we're a part of, I like to think of it as God giving birth, labor pains. James Allison talks about Jesus in this place in Mark as having a sort of marvelous indifference toward the temple being destroyed. Marvelous as in a marvel, I think, like astonishing, because the temple being destroyed would be a big deal for the people who depended on it for meaning and for the people who thought it was totally corrupt and wanted to see it destroyed. It just seems like structural collapse one way or another is a big deal. Some would be heartbroken, some happy, but not alarmed or indifferent? What would allow us to be not alarmed? I was just at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and it's, it's, you know, it's staggering, depending on your mindset, maybe a bit excessive, especially when you think of the corrupt priests that sold indulgences to poor people to finance the whole thing. But, you know, I wouldn't want to see it fall. It would feel like a sad thing, a bad sign, even if there is corruption. It would seem like a terrible thing, a great loss to see Michelangelo's Pieta broken to pieces or the Sistine Chapel burned down. I just can't imagine how it would not feel alarming. Jesus predicts that the temple a beautiful structure will fall, and he says, don't be alarmed. I'm just not sure how I could manage to occupy that space of unalarmedness, marvelous indifference, unattached, maybe, like completely relaxed about impermanence or something, untroubled by the transitory nature of time and self and art and materiality and the scope of eternity. I don't know, maybe Jesus can be this way or recommend being this way because he knows so thoroughly that everything that happens, everything that is, is part of some like intricate birth process. Like a mingling of DNA and blood and cells, seeds being planted, some cells shed. I don't know, things dying and growing and being reborn, all of it somehow still being created, always being created, being given birth to. And we're all part of the process of this overwhelming process, act of love. And we don't need to worry or be alarmed because um, he's got the whole world in his hands. Or how about she's got the whole wide universes in her womb? I'd like to choose to believe that, to trust that all things work together for good, not only for some, but for all in some unfathomable, like, 
truly and un unimaginable with our limited capacities way. But I'm not sure it's exactly a choice to trust something like that. I can't seem to manufacture that sort of trust. It seems like something that has to slip in beside you quietly, probably, and breathe its soothing breath until you fall into the rhythm and relax into the labor. Many of us, I think, in the wide view of time and history and the planet have been pretty fortunate so far, I think, or I should speak for myself, I have. I woke up in bed this morning in a warm house with three pillows. I drove to the grocery store yesterday and no one stopped me to ask for ID. There aren't burned out cars and dead bodies and starving children and bombs and fires in my immediate life though there are for many people. But it seems like we're all getting closer to the brink. The pandemic has affected every single one of us. When I read apocalyptic texts like this one, or even if when I just read the news, I think pretty frequently these days, yeah, it's all coming down. There are the large stones falling now all around. Do you see them? Democracy, civility, Biodiversity, 60% of animal populations lost in less than 50 years. 60%? They're calling our era the age of extinction. That's not an encouraging name for an era. I've been tending to get a little worked up by the state of the world. Like, my cortisol levers, levels are probably off the charts. That's what happens to our bodies when the alarm button stays on. And America is in the midst of this huge anxiety epidemic, I read. Major depression is on the rise among everyone. Grief is everywhere. Should we not be alarmed? Could we? Would we want to tap into that, some of that marvelous indifference? Is it a matter of being open, aware, glimpsing the beauty and grace, trusting it's being performed somehow, even in the suffering and the chaos and the extinction? The story of the widow who lived in poverty was the text for last Sunday, but you can't really read this story without looking back at her. Because Jesus was trying to get the disciples to pay attention to her, not the power and the glory and the big building and the rich men, but this poor widow who gave a penny. It's an unlikely place to try to get everyone looking for their hope for God's activity in the world. A widow and a penny, this seemingly totally insignificant act. But this is where Jesus tries to get the disciples to look. Stop paying so much attention to powerful men and huge structures. But so, about one second later, as Jesus and the disciples are coming out of the temple, the disciples say, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Oh my gosh, it's practically hilarious. There's like the 12 stooges. Or little boys who keep falling into the same trap. Oh my, what large stones you have. Jesus tried to direct their attention to this very small very beautiful, gracious giving. 
to one who was not of the large buildings. Look at her. This is what's really interesting. This is where it's really happening, the coming of God into the world. How sly and unexpected, what a refreshing, striking, intriguing alternative. A woman who gives everything she's got. Look at her. She doesn't come into the world, God doesn't come into the world, in the fire, in the wind, but in the voice that practically goes by unnoticed. So maybe don't keep your eyes fixed on the main characters in the same old narratives everyone's always telling day after day, Biden and Putin and Elon and Jeff, Manchin and McConnell. Look at this woman doing what seems like a useless thing, useless, but that points somehow to some sort of wild hope. Shift our attention to almost unnoticeable acts of generosity in our midst. Jesus isn't trying to get the disciples worked up about the things men build falling apart. To the contrary, he was trying to turn their attention to something else something quieter, but very alive. I can imagine if we were walking with Jesus, he might say, don't get all worked up about the G20 and the CLP26. It's far more interesting to pay attention to small, beautiful things. They do happen. Yesterday I saw my Trump-loving, gun-toting neighbor at my hippie farmer, peace-loving neighbor's house. They were eating soup together and laughing. Small, beautiful. There are so many places where people of apparently little consequence, unregarded, are making good food for other people who are unregarded. Or look 50 million other places where someone is loving someone, putting someone else first in 50 million different, creative but totally unglamorous ways. And it's beautiful. But wait. Did you see what the senators are doing now, the Supreme Court? What's going to happen next? The sky is falling. Jesus is like, calm down. The empire will come to an end. Everything humans have built will come to an end. Are you familiar with the history of nations? He's trying to turn our attention to something more subtle, though, and less flashy, less like power and bricks and buildings something more like love and birth. It's a matter of training our perception, expanding our capacity to see it in its most hidden and subtle forms and receive it and give it away. So the collapse of the large buildings is the beginning of the birth pangs. Something new needs to be born and God is giving birth to it. Of course, there's pain and contractions and great difficulty. That's what giving birth is like. So grab onto your partner, your friend, knowing that you're in for a pretty wild ride, but there will be a limit, another side, where you make it through the pain, new life. God is giving birth to God's people, making it possible for us to love each other, to be merciful and generous to participate in this small, small act of communion together.
You've been listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all of this live every Sunday at 5. Check out www.houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. Are you on?